0: Good evening, everyone. Let's go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What is your life? What is your life and its purpose? What gives your life value? Where are you headed? What is your life? The ancient philosopher Seneca wrote a young man saying, Death is on my trail and life is fleeting away. Teach me something with which to face these troubles. Bring it to pass that I shall cease trying to escape from death and that life may cease to escape from me. Give me courage to meet hardships. Make me calm in the face of the unavoidable. Relax the straitened limits of the time which is allotted to me. Show me that the good in life does not depend on life's length, but upon the use we make of it. Also that it is possible, or rather usual, for a man who has lived long to have lived too little. These are the words of a man who did not know the Lord. But they are the words that really we could apply even in, in prayer. Maybe we have applied in prayer. Lord, teach us to put life and death in perspective help us to know what you would have us do where you would have us go how you would have us to live if we haven't prayed that prayer perhaps we should teach me something with which to face these troubles which we now go through in this life teach me God how I can have everything in the right frame in the right perspective if only Seneca had read these words that we've just read. First of all, these words um, from James remind us of our accents in life. The accents of life. We see the accent of time. Today or tomorrow we're going to go to such and such a place and spend a year there. Time is so important. We speak of time as a healer, but also for honest time. Is, time is a killer as well, isn't it? We know we're all running out of time. Not to make things morbid, but we have a limited time. Time waits for no man. We say. Steve Jobs himself passed away. Not too many years ago, says, the most precious resource we have is time. With the passing of time comes age. There are 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, 730 hours in a month, 8,760 in a year, 262,800 in 30 years, 692,040 in 79 years. In order to see one million hours, you have to see one hundred and fourteen years. Not many people live to one hundred and fourteen, do they? Time is limited. but It's such an important accent of our life and we only have a limited time. There, there are towns. Let's be honest, the town we're from, our, our patch of land in which we've lived at some point in time is, is really critical. in. Our upbringing and in um, establishing our roots and the foundation of our life. It's an important accent of our life, is it not? Indeed, the town in which we live, the town in which we come from, or the part of the town in which we live or come from itself often adds a little bit of accent, doesn't it? Even in how we speak. But here he says, uh, Come you who say we'll go today or tomorrow into such and such a town. And we'll live there. We'll establish our our dwelling there for about a year or, or maybe more. Who knows? The place and the boundaries of our dwelling, and Paul would tell the philosophers on Mars Hill in Athens are established by God. He's established the boundaries of our habitation, the old version says. Places where we live, places where we perhaps want to live. Places where we think one day we might live. I've had a few of those along the way. In 2012, 2013, I thought I was going to be moving to South Africa. Didn't happen. I'm still here. At other times, I've, I've thought maybe somewhere on the east coast of the United States, Boston. That was on my mind for a little while. But I'm still here. Because God is the one who leads and guides, and He establishes the place of our dwelling. It's not just about where we see ourselves, it's where we wind up. We, I've, I've lived in seven different towns and eight different houses. Uh, I previously thought that was a, quite a bit, but I know quite a few people who've lived in, um, it seems like, a, a different house every other year they're my age and so you know we're thinking about 15 different houses in you know 28 to 30 years if you're in a military family it's probably more we live in different places but that's an important accent of our life the the work that we do our trade so there's time there's towns there's trade Uh, our work our jobs what we do it doesn't matter what sort of job it is, it's a part of who we are. It could be working um, sales. I have a friend who, um, he first met his fiance um, while working in the stock stockroom at H&M. And, you know, we, we've all been in that situation where we're um, working zero hour contracts or something in um, a stockroom somewhere or on the shop floor or um, doing some sort of sales, some sort of retail my friend eventually would become a, a personal trainer, and I, I would meet him at the um, at Virgin Gym in Angel. Now he's, he's moving to Dubai, where he's been hired to be um, one of the, the primary trainers at um, an elite gym there, ultimate performance, and, and it's, it's like, wow, and he's looking at it thinking, this is amazing, I, I started out in the stock room at H&M, I met my fiance there. I didn't have anything, but we we made it work, and now we're both moving to Dubai. It's nice and sunny there, and I'll be earning a lot more, and I prefer it. The sun would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. our, Our work and our jobs, what we do, they're part of who we are. Targets. We all have targets. At least I hope we do do we have a purpose do we some people act as if it's a wrong thing to have targets in life or aims in life or ambitions no it's a good thing as long as it's not selfish as long as it's not just about yourself we'll get to that in a moment but targets are important they help us calculate where we were and then at the end of it help us to see where we've been and how God's brought us there. But here we see there's very much a a, a different outlook when it comes to these accents of life. These accents of life which are so important, time, towns, trade, targets. These are more than accents to the people that James is addressing this. They're, They're primary affections. They're important accents of life which God gives us, which He grants us. There's nothing wrong with them. God gives us the time in which we live. He knows the days. We will not die a day sooner than the day that God has planned. Should I mean, that should give us a great deal of reassurance. In in days where people are so conscious of our our human mortality and where people are, are doing everything possible to to run from that reality. We know our time is in God's hands and so we entrust ourselves to Him. The the towns, He establishes the periods and places of our dwelling. The trade that we have, He provides for us. He gives us our daily bread, doesn't He? And He gives us our daily bread through work, yeah? And the targets. well. Sometimes the targets are of God, sometimes they're not, let's be honest. And that's where really we can see the difference. When the accents of our life are part of God's plan and common grace to us and we we, we it, we actually know that we accept that we see that everything every element of our life is given to us by God to use for his glory that's wonderful because our primary affection is our great God and Savior and the accents fall into their place and make life sometimes difficult yes but make life purpose-filled and driven towards worship our lives are lives of worship yes but when we don't recognize God's plan, when we don't recognize these accents of life as, the be, as just accents, when we elevate them to our primary affections, then we have a problem. And this is the problem that James addresses. The problem James addresses is not to do so much with these accents of life that can be used and enjoyed for God's glory, as it is taking these elements like we do with every other good thing in this world that God created and perverting it. Using it to accent our lives and personalities, making them the primary object of our affections. When the accents of life become your primary affections in life, and when you try to artificially engineer these accents to suit your own gain, for your own purposes, leaving God to the side, that's a problem. The time we live with and how we use it. The towns we live in and look at. The trade we take up and consider. The targets we aim towards. And become more than accents of who we are. We allow them to define us. Give us meaning and value. Identity and purpose. Directing us in how we live. And even how we elevate others or denigrate others. As time goes on, we realize we don't get it back. The young desire to be older, the older desire to be younger. With time moving on, we often adopt a policy that says, you only live once, YOLO, and rush headlong into day to day decisions with a fear of missing out. Yeah, so what if we do the wrong thing? It's no big deal. You only live once, right? When our affection makes these accents, accents of times, towns, trade, and targets, our primary be-all and end-all, the focal points of life, God is cut out the day-to-day. If you have an ambition to do with your trade, well, your trade gets in the way of your gathering with God's people. If you have a primary um, target that can't be achieved without running yourself into the ground, work is your idol and God's people are secondary if your time is spent directed on everything other than pursuing God's glory in what you do you've made time more than an accent you've made it your primary affection When our affection makes these accents the focal points of life, and God is cut out of the day today, our affection is not focused on God and His will as opposed um, to ours. And so we neither approach Him today or tomorrow. Because today or tomorrow, we're planning on going into such and such a town to trade there and make a profit. God's out of the equation. You have plenty of time to seek God here and now, but your affections are wrong and so you don't make use of the time you have because you are too busy. When your affection is drawn unduly to a certain town or place, you don't ask God whether He wants you to be in this place or that place. This town or that town. But you go there based on what feels right. On what is monetarily advantageous. Not whether God would have you live and serve and seek the good of where you are at. The grass is always greener. And so you go to where the grass is greener and somehow it just doesn't seem like you thought it would be. If it is His will for you to be elsewhere, you go. But if your affection is caught up in the place, that place will never satisfy. I've seen it time and time again, speaking as an American um, who's observed many other Americans move to the United Kingdom. I've seen many Americans visit the United Kingdom and move to the United Kingdom and have this idea that, oh, London. And I don't know what they think about London. I think they must think Knightsbridge or Kensington or something like that which um, is you, you know something from 101 Dalmatians maybe um, you know it, it's this it's this really glossy picture I, I've um, I've been asked have you ever had tea with the Queen and I, I laughed I, I, I laughed I remember I, I I remember I laughed and then I realized the person wasn't joking I was like oh well, okay no 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 I'm not had tea with the Queen but a lot of times Americans look at London and they look at England and they say, oh, I really want to live there. I really want to be there. I want to live there. It's such a wonderful place. It's great. It's awesome. That word that Americans overuse sometimes. And I've seen so many Americans over the years come and go. They get here and, oh, this isn't like I thought it would be. I'm not living in one of those places like 101 Dalmatians. I'm living in a bed set in Tottenham. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having to be in Peckham. And there's, I'm I'm not gelling with this. It's difficult. Oh, no one really does stop their day at four o'clock and have a nice plush tea, right? This is different. It's different. And I've seen it. I've seen many, many people come and go, come and go, come and go. Why? Because their affection, I dare say, was not in in some cases in pursuing God's will as it was tied to the place or their fantasy of the place. It wasn't what we thought it would be. Oh, people, people didn't really like us. People weren't really enamored with us. I've seen it time and time again. It's not just Americans coming to the UK, it's anyone going anywhere thinking, over there, over there, that's the dream, that's where that's where I need to be, that's where I should go. Well, it doesn't matter where you go, there will be difficulties. There will be trials. And if your heart and if your love is attracted to the place and the accents of it if it's not about pursuing God's will and what God wants and showing God love, you will always quit. You will always give up. You will always fail. If it is God's will for you to be elsewhere, go. But your affection isn't caught up in the place. It's, it's, it's caught up in God's person and His calling in your life to glorify Him wherever you are. Whatever riches and niceties any place may even offer, you'll be left unfulfilled. Worse still, you may even find your misplaced priorities and proud presumptions lead you to great tragedy. How many of you have heard of the Oregon Trail? Yeah, you've heard of the Oregon Trail. So this is um, basically, just type it in on Google. In fact, here's a challenge. Maybe afterwards, if there's Wi-Fi or something, you can type in um, Oregon Trail arcade game right? And um, what you're going to see is there's, uh, it's based on history. I had Rachel do it. Um, She doesn't want me to tell you what happened. Um, But uh, it basically goes back to the days of the gold rush, when people hear there's gold out west in the, um, what was the American colonies, it wasn't really the US at the time, um, in any way as we know it, and there were fewer states. Um, but let's go out, out west and we're going to go get gold. And they went along this trail and it was very dangerous. And there's this game and you, it, it, it gives you an old-fashioned style. Um, you're at this town, what do you do? Do you want to buy more fur? Do you want to buy more food? Your, your wagon has a broken wheel and it gives you a budget to work with and you, you try and with your little band of people go through the Oregon Trail with as many survivors as possible, Rachel killed everyone off within the first two moves. Um, and um, it, was, it was a catastrophe. Um, when uh, no one survives 100 um, percent. You know, I, I think I named someone Rachel and mine, and she died of diphtheria or something, and just others drowned, and our horses and oxen drowned, and you know, basically, there were two of us who showed up safe and sound in Oregon, and that's a win. That's that's a victory. But it's this idea that, oh, out there it's better. Out there is gold. Out there is prosperity. And so we go along the trail, often to our own detriment. We often perish. When your affection is drawn to a certain trade and your job or work becomes what defines you, watch out, it won't just define you, it will also destroy you. When your affection is drawn to the wrong targets and life becomes about that margin of deductions and profits, you are running after the very thing that to live for brings misery. But then we have here in James's writing, not just some detailing of the accents of life, it's not just about the affections of life, we need to step back. And give an appraisal of our lives we need to evaluate our lives what is your life now the problem is we often think of life in terms of monetary value at least the culture around it thinks of monetary value or what value we bring to society what is your life i heard a man recently speak of how he felt like he was a failure this is a man in his 50s he has a family, he's worked hard, and this time it's been very difficult, he's um, done good by his family, he's sought to please God, he's made disciples, he's... and yet because of the culture around and its appraisal of life and its value, he, he still can't shake this, you know, he just feels like he's a failure, he's not made something big of himself. Or, Our body contains trace amounts of various elements, silicon, manganese, fluorine, copper, zinc, arsenic, aluminum, other things, you know that. Well, the going rate for a body's worth of these elements is just $1, All right, so about 75 pence. Your skin, don't try to imagine it, but if it were sold like the price of a cowhide your skin would be worth about two pounds seventy-five it's about twenty it's about fifteen pence per square foot if you take a dollar's worth of these elements 75 pence or so plus the value of your skin you might be able to in some cases reach about five pounds in value if you were to just take all of the makeup of your body and sell it as elements. And so that's the chemical value. The maximum is about 115 pounds that someone could get based on the makeup, the chemical composition of their body. Thankfully, we are more than our chemical composition. When it comes to monetary value, time, the places we live, the targets we reach at the end of it all. James does bring some much needed reality. Life is brief. Life is brief. In a modern version of Macbeth, we read, The days creep slowly along until the end of time. Every day that's already happened has taken fools that much closer to their deaths. Out, out, brief candle. Life is nothing more than an illusion. It's like a poor actor who struts and worries for this hour on the stage and then is never heard from again. I can tell Ryan is wanting to break out into an artistic dramatic rendition. Um, Life is a story told by an idiot, he goes on to say, full of noise and emotional disturbance, but devoid of meaning. The fragility of what is finite, this is what James is is getting here. He, what does he say? He, he says that in this day and time, in, in this life that we have, we think that we can go around and we think that we can plot our journey. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? He asks. Let's give an honest appraisal. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Life is brief. Life is brittle, then vanishes. It's gone, it comes and it goes. It's like a flower that quickly fades here today and gone tomorrow. But life is brittle. Aren't we aware of that? I think more people I knew died last year than in any, other life, uh, in any other year I can remember in my life. I had a friend commit suicide towards the beginning of the year. Um, another friend died of some cancer. I didn't even know it was highly aggressive. I just found out, oh, Jimmy's died. Right. Um, Another friend, terminal cancer, goes into hospice, contracts COVID-19. He was eager to die. He was right with the Lord, but he was gone in three days. I was kept telling myself, it was right before the first lockdown, oh, maybe I can get down in the next day. I told myself oh, I can get down in the next day. If they don't lock everything down, I can go and say goodbye. But goes into hospice. COVID-19, dead. A colleague of mine work on uh, something called the Affinity Bulletin with, we would meet up about three times a year to plan out this journal. And um, um, Norman is in his 50s, had some health issues. Saw him in February. Did it, didn't look overly well, but it was taking along. You know, only in his 50s, maybe maybe, maybe just past 60, gets COVID-19, dead. Another man, I remember he had walked into the church. Um, I was trying to remember his face, but so many faces have come and gone in the past year that this was a guy who he uh, would routinely... Talked with Rachel and myself. His face is now in my mind. Um, And he he was always quite crass. He was always quite crude. Um, That's who he was. Very, very sweary gentleman. And he came into church one time. I was actually preaching from this passage. And he talked, he engaged. He'd never been to church before the next week. Oh, did you know Steve is dead? What? Yeah. He just fell down. His head never woke up. Someone who's volunteered with our outreach in in Angel. We had to ban him for all manner of reasons uh, at some point, but we had a good friendship of sorts, an acquaintanceship. He was friendly the last time Rachel and I saw him. Must have been the day he died or the day before. Seemed well, seemed like he was really doing well in his fight against alcoholism. Apparently he drank himself to death just last month. You know, life is brittle. People we know, gone like that. Life is beyond our control. The futility in forecasting the future is what's in view here. You do not know what a day may bring. This is what James says. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What is your life? What is uh, the value in your life? It's, It's not in the accents of life because you're not in control of those. It's not in uh, the affections of life, if those affections are indeed the accents of this life that we live. Now There are two options in front of us. We can recognize in humility that life is brief, life is brittle, and life is beyond our control. That God alone is in control. We can persist in pride and arrogance, living with a false sense of security and autonomy or we can submit our wills to God's will. And that's what James says is a life well lived. That's what he's getting at here. Life well lived is one that seeks God for how He would have us live wisely, redeeming the time. Life well lived looks at the towns we are in and through trials and temptations recognizes this world is not our home yet still seeks the good of the city that we are in now while awaiting the city whose designer and builder is God. James begins his letter saying, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. You will have trials. A well-lived life is not free from trials life well lived looks at the trades that we operate with and ensures that we are good stewards of our health and wealth seeking to use our trade honestly for god's glory Do you realize how counter-cultural that is the trade is not about you the trade is about god's glory Life well lived in the world of all manner of self-centered targets puts God as preeminence and focuses our eyes beyond the here and now to the eternal. We stop arrogantly trying to forecast the future. We acknowledge the futility of the finite and we trust God that our faith will see us saved and secured forever. By God's grace, this is my life. This is my life. Not, not a life made up of my plans and my targets. Not a life that's centered around what I want, when I want it, but, but a life that has realized it's best lived when praying, not my will, thy will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That that is our lives if we are followers of Jesus Christ. So cease boasting in your arrogance, James is saying. He's, he's saying, don't, don't live in this evil. Do what is right. You know the right thing to do if you don't do it, if you fail to do it, for you it is sin. You know the right. If you follow God's way, if you are in God's Word, He will show it to you. And all of those accents of life will remain in their proper place as gifts of God that help you, that drive you in your affection to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Father, I pray that You would help us, that You would enable us to give You this glory. May our accents of life be placed in the right place. May they not become our primary affections. May we ask ourselves honestly, what is our life? What is my life? And help us to know, help us to be assured that our life is all wrapped up in you. If indeed we have Jesus, we know that is true, that you will conform us, that you will transform us in the renewal of our minds to know and do your perfect will. But Father, if there is some element of rebellion in us this evening, and if indeed there is anyone here who doesn't know, That primary affection must be towards you. I pray, Father, that you would show your love in such a way that you would captivate our total attention. That you would be our primary affection. In Christ Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.